been doing a four-week series uh, called We Are the Church, but this one's a little bit different than what we normally do because instead of it be four weeks of just come, sing, and listen, it's more of an experience. We've had two unbelievable messages. It's gonna end with Serve Day next weekend, which is on both days, but this weekend we have uh, one of the executives, a friend of mine, one of our ministry partners, Convoy of Hope, is gonna help all of us understand how just night, right now, today, we can make a huge impact all around the world. This weekend, we're gonna focus on an opportunity to make an impact globally because next week is locally. And so we are so glad to have Convoy of Hope with us. My friend, um, Pastor Ed Ivey, is not only an executive at Convoy, but he pastored in this community for almost 20 years. Uh, and he's a Florida guy, uh, and he's one of my friends that actually beats me at golf. I'll, uh, he doesn't have to tell you, I'll tell you, but so glad to have him with us. But more importantly, we love our partnership with Convoy. Uh, I'm gonna show you a little bit about Convoy, and then Ed's gonna come on up. You are not hidden There's never been a moment You were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath How's everybody doing today? It's great to see all of you. Corey, you stole my thunder a little bit. I wanted to tell everybody that on a reg, I beat you in golf. So, um, no, I, I, have the, I have the microphone now. So let's just... He, he has... Uh, not that we gamble. We friendly wager every now and then. Um, but we have some friendly wagers, and I think he's lost the majority of those friendly wagers. But... Um, and uh, I know he never brags about it either. So, you know, I, I love this opening video. And I, I think I, I, I love those words um, at the, the last part of this that says, I will send out an army to find you in the middle of your darkest night. And I just want to stop and just say thank you to Cape Christian. Pastor Corey, thank you. Thank you to Rebe you and Rebecca just for your amazing leadership. Because this truly is not just a church, this is an army. Come on now, somebody. I'm just one of those guys. I mean, I'm just telling you, I, I preach a whole lot better if you just give me a little feedback here, okay? I'm, I'm one of those guys. If you want to just stand up and yell at me a little bit, you can do that too. So, but, 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 but you're not just a church. You're an army. That, that you're an army that, that's truly helping people in the middle of their most desperate moments. 
And that really is the heart of Convoy of Hope. And uh, many of you are familiar with Convoy of Hope and uh, maybe know just a, a little bit about it when you, you think disasters and hurricanes and, and things like that. That's, that's Convoy. You know, we, we respond to uh, disasters all around the world when we think about hurricanes. I mean, even just a year and a half ago, Hurricane Ian that came through here. I think a good way that I could describe Convoy in a phrase would be, um, you know, I, I grew up in Miami and pastored here in the community for 15 years. And, and so I know about hurricanes. I was here during Hurricane Irma that wrecked, you know, southwest Florida and, you know, then just watching what took place a year and a half ago. So I know the devastation that comes from a hurricane. But I remember seeing one of the stories from the hurricane a year and a half ago. And it was, they, they were sharing that there were people that were on the top of their cars and that they were calling for help. And the response that came back is, we're sorry, no one's coming. We're sorry, nobody's coming. And if I could kind of sum up convoy in, in a phrase, it would be that help is on the way. Yeah. The help is on the way. That whatever's happening, help is on the way. Um, you know, I was going to the airport a couple of weeks ago and uh, had an Uber driver that picked me up. And um, I'm one of those guys, I get in, I like making conversation, and so we just start talking a little bit. And so the guy says to me, he said, so, hey, hey, what do you do? Like, what kind of work do you do? Because I told him I traveled a lot, that I'm on the road a lot, different things like that. And so he said, what do you do? I said, well, and this, this is like my total setup question right here. When somebody asks me, what, what do I do? Um, I'm just like, I feed kids. He's like, what, you, you, what do you mean you feed kids? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I feed kids. He said, well, well, tell me about that. And like I said, that's the setup. Because then I started getting into it. I'm like, well, since you asked, I'm part of a compassion organization, and some of you don't know this, that we feed 580,000 kids every single day in 36 different countries. Isn't that amazing? So I tell them, like, yeah, we, we feel, you know, in, in, in the next few years, we're on track to feed a million kids every single day. And, and then I said, you know, this past year, we empowered 35,000 women, and, and we helped them break the cycle of poverty in their, in their lives, and, and we helped them move forward. And, and we also equipped and trained 80,000 farmers around the world to help increase food security in their community. And we responded to, to 81 disasters globally. I mean, things like the Middle East crisis and, you know, the wild wildfires and the hurricanes and earthquakes and the war in Ukraine. And, and so I'm telling him all this stuff, and I can just tell he's like, like just kind of blown away by it. And what was funny about it is right before he asked me what I did, I said, well, how's your day going? He said, well, I've just been kind of bored lately. Like, I just, I don't have a whole lot to do. I'm just kind of bored. So I get out and drive a little bit and, you know, do things like that. And so I'm telling him all this. And so I finally just stop after I tell him about, you know, all the disasters that we respond to and different things like that. And I just stop and I just leave kind of this awkward pause right there. And here's what he said. He said, oh, oh man, that's, that's so cool. That's like, that's like really, really awesome. He's like, Oh, you know, I, I've been meaning to go down to the homeless center, and, and I've been meaning to go down and do a little work. And, you know, back in 2019, before COVID, I meant to go get my application, but I didn't put my application in. So the last few years, I've been meaning to go back down. And, and so he starts going in this big, long explanation of why he hasn't gone and helped the poor. And here's what I want to say, is that inside of all of us, there's a desire to do good. 
There's a desire to reach out. There's a desire to, to minister, to, to make a difference. It, it's like deep inside of every person's heart, this, this longing, this, this gentle but this strong voice urging us to be kind. And as a Christ follower especially, we have to pay crucial attention to that voice because it's one of the main ways that God works through us in reaching the world. And so we have to pay attention to it. We have to lean into it. We, we have to listen to that voice. And that's why we're here today. We're here to listen to that voice. You've been hearing over the last couple of weeks about One Day to Feed the World. And I want to tell you a little bit about one, what One Day to Feed the World is. It's taken one day wage, one day's wage from your entire salary over the course of a year, or taking your entire salary, dividing it by 365 and giving that one day giving that one day to make a difference. And I want to talk a little bit about how we can make a difference. And the way that we make a difference is by turning compassion into action. Yeah. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, I love this passage of, script, of Scripture. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had, help me out. Come on, help me out. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion, compassion on them. He had compassion because they were confu confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. First thing I want to share with you is this. Compassion sees the need. It says Jesus, Jesus saw the crowds, like he saw the people and, and he saw what was taking place. And, you know, we kind of live in this time right now, like we see all kinds of things. Like, I, I, I mean, when, when you just, I mean, we're bombarded with images and we're bombarded with social media and just all the different, I mean, there's so much in the course of the day that we see. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not meaning that like a, as a dig to anybody because one of the, you know, honestly, one of the favorite things that my wife and I do is we sit up in the morning and we're, you know, we sit in bed and drink coffee and look at funny Instagram videos. That's like, that's like our jam. We do. So, I mean, so like we're constantly seeing things, but I just wonder sometimes if we get so like immersed in what's happening in the culture that we lose what's side of what's happening in the world. It says that Jesus, he saw the crowd. He, he, he saw the people and when he saw them, he had compassion on them. It was just two weeks ago that uh, I flew to Kenya, Nairobi in Kenya. And um, <clears throat> I've traveled all over the world. You know, I've been in full-time ministry for 33 years. And uh, I mean, you, you name it, I've been, been all over the world. And I've been to some of the worst slums that you can imagine, some of the poorest areas of the world. And I wasn't prepared for what I saw a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't prepared for the level of poverty that I saw. And when I talk about the poverty, it wasn't just poverty. I, I tried to explain this to, to my wife. I called her up and she said, How, how's the day been? And I'm like, it's been amazing and awful all at the same time. Because I saw poverty like I've never seen it. And not just poverty, but but. Pastor Corey, I would say this, I mean, I, I saw what a spirit of poverty looks like. And the only way I could describe the poverty that I saw, it was almost like evil was mocking humanity. It was almost like Satan was standing on the side 
and he was mocking everything about humanity. And something just ripped apart on the inside of me. We traveled, we got in the van and we traveled to a place called the Mathari Valley. And, and it's a slum outside of Nairobi that has approximately 700,000 people in it. A quarter of a million kids that are just roaming around on the streets looking for food. And we go to this place and, and we travel in and we're working with our convoy team there in, in Nairobi and they're having to kind of protect us because you can imagine in the midst of the poverty, there's a lot of danger, there's a lot of insecurity, there's all kinds of things that are going on there. And, and, and we go in and, 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 and it, as we go down this little alleyway, you know, I've got, I've got like people that are kind of grabbing at me and this one, this, this, this one like younger man kind of pulls at me a little bit. And says, hey, come over here, come over here. And one of our team members stopped them and said, no, 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 what do you want? And they said, no, we, want it. we just want to talk to this guy. And our team member said, don't go there because you don't know where you'll end up. Don't go with them because you don't know where you'll end up. I mean, I, 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 I felt the danger. I, fe I felt like just the, the evil all around me. But I wasn't prepared to see all the kids there. Kids just walking around in the streets, scavenging, looking for food. But in the midst of that, in the midst of what was happening there, hope was on the horizon. Hope was on the horizon because we turned this little corner. And when we turn this little corner, we go in this little dark building. When we go in this little dark building, there's just room after room after room. We see this little sign at the top that says Convoy of Hope. And I want to show you a picture right here. I think it's up here. We go and this is just one of about probably 15 classes that we saw like this. And believe it or not, this particular building, when we went in, this, this was one of the nicer buildings there. And we went in to see all these kids. And, and, and I know you're kind of looking at them and you're like, man, that's, that's kind of crazy. But if you could see the difference between these kids and the kids that are out on the street, there's a significant difference. Because the one thing that I saw in these kids was hope. It was hope. And you know how they were brought Hope by just seeing, bringing a simple meal to them, by just bringing a meal because, because it's hard to minister to an empty stomach. Yeah. It's hard to minister and tell somebody about Jesus or get them in education or pull them into a school system when they, they're not even capable of concentrating because there's no food. You see, compassion sees the need. Compassion sees the need. And I, I wish I could just take you to some of the places that I saw. I mean, just, just in, even in Africa right now, to, to see the skeletal herds and the parched land. I mean, the, the realities are grim. And the clock is ticking. Uh, the, the need, when I look at the need, the need feels overwhelming. And, 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 and what's so interesting about it is today, right now, in portions of Africa, they're experiencing the greatest hunger crisis that the world has seen in more than 50 years. Listen to that, more than 50 years. And you know what? Nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. I, I scroll through my phone. I do it almost every day. I scroll through all the news articles and all that. And there's, there's nothing. There's no news articles on Africa. There's nothing happening. Nobody, like 50 years, there, there are kids that we saw that are four and five years old that have never felt a drop of rain on their face before. Never felt it. Nobody sees it. No songs. You remember Live Aid back in the 80s? No songs being written about it. No big concerts. But yet layers and layers and layers of darkness. But I'm so grateful that in the midst of all of the darkness that God is raising up Convoy of Hope. 
And I really believe that we are positioned better now than ever before to make an impact, to make an impact on tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of kids. I'm so grateful for the work that is being done and all that has taken place, but the need is so much greater. There was a young lady that was there. I think her picture's up there here. This, this young lady, she's 19 years old, but man, she, like, she wrecked me because she stood up and began to tell her story. When she was 13 years old, she got pregnant. And once she got pregnant, she was kicked out of the house. She was abandoned. She was just walking the streets, had nowhere to go, nothing to do. And then Convoy of Folk found her, and they brought her into our women's empowerment program. And she said, because of what Convoy of Hope has done and what they have given me, I now have hope. My child now has hope. I'm grateful for Convoy for the hope that is on the horizon, for all that's taken place. You see, compassion sees the need. And here's the second thing. Compassion feels the need. Compassion feels. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus felt a deep sense of empathy, this, this profound emotional reaction. And, and see, when we talk about compassion, compassion isn't about a healer and the wounded. It's about equals. It, it becomes real when we embrace our own darkness, when we acknowledge our own shared humanity. I, I love this quote, that compassion is a bridge that connects us together. It's, it, it, it's, it's a bridge. And, and here's the other, let, let me tell you this about compassion. Compassion hurts. Like, like, come on now, like, like real compassion, real compassion will hurt. Real compassion doesn't feel good. Real compassion, listen, listen to what Henry Nguyen said. He said, compassion asks us to go where it hurts and to enter into the places of pain. And look at these words. I, I think of the words, I look at these words right here. To share in brokenness. To share in brokenness and fear and confusion in anguish. I, I've just like, I've had these words on my mind to share, to share in brokenness. Cause you know what? We're really, really good at sharing in blessing. Yeah. Man, we're really good at connecting with people and, and wanting to share in blessing. And, 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 and I'm the same way. It's easy to connect with people that are like me and to share in the blessing of it. But there's something that in compassion, when we talk about compassion, compassion shares in our brokenness. It's when all of a sudden we begin to realize that, but for the grace of God. Man, every single person that's in this room right now, we should just be walking out of this place today saying, but for the grace of God. Man, I, I am so blessed to be where I am and, and do what I'm doing and, and enjoy all the things that I, I'm enjoying, but for the grace of God. We got in the van after leaving Mathari Valley, and I'm going to show you a video here in a little bit. In Mathari Valley. But, but we left Mathari, and we, we got in this van, and we, we, we drove for quite a while on these rugged, rough roads. And, I mean, there's no AC. I mean, it's blazing hot. And we pull up, and we're going that, like this little path, and we get, you know, around this little path, and we turn to the right. And when we turn to the right, there's a little gate. And when we go through the gate, there's like a couple hundred kids that are singing and welcoming us. They're just jumping, and they're, I mean, they're screaming out. You know, we welcome you. We welcome you. You are our guest. There's a whole song that they were doing in Swahili. And I was just, I mean, I, I, I just, I was, and I even said to the work, I was like, why, why are they doing all this? And, and, and here's what she said. Our national director said, they are so grateful for the food that you give. They're grateful for the food. Compassion feels 
the need. Compassion feels the need. And I have a picture right here of some of the kids. This little girl right here, can you see this little girl here? This little girl stayed glued to me the whole time. Like she walked with me everywhere I went. I mean, we were there for a couple of hours getting to see the kids and the feeding program and all that. This, this little girl never let go of me the whole time. She held my hand and walked and went with me everywhere. And the reason why this messed me up so bad is because I've got a little granddaughter that's probably close to the same age. And when we talk, matter of fact, I've got, there's, there's, my, there's my little Revy right there. And I see this little girl and I, 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 I see the shared brokenness. Because I see this little girl right here, and I'm thinking this little girl can go and do whatever she wants. She can, I mean, matter of fact, she's at that point in life, she like, if she wants calamari, she's going to get calamari, you know? <laughs> like, she, she's not like the Burger King. I mean, but, but, but something happened when I saw that. I, it was just like I felt it so deeply because I thought this is somebody's little daughter, granddaughter. This is somebody's little grand. See, see compassion feels. Compassion feels. And I, I just wonder sometimes... I just wonder at moments if our feeler gets broken. It's like we become so desensitized. Like it it just becomes broken. And I I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there are times, if I'm being really transparent, there are times in my life that I just know my heart has got hard. Oh, man, you're a pastor. Yeah, yeah. there, There are moments that I've allowed other things in my life and I become so enamored with everything else going on around me that my feeler gets broke. And I'm praying and asking God to bring back my feeler. Let me say it this way. God, bring back my tears. When was the last time you cried because of compassion? When was the last time that tears ran down your face because you saw injustice? That should be a good kind of gauge for where we are. I'm praying like, God, bring back tears. God, bring back the tears to your church. God, bring back the tears to your people where we feel it, where we sense it. Because Jesus, Jesus feels it. He, he felt it deeply. Jesus was moved with compassion. Compassion feels so, so deeply. And, and I got a chance, I sat with some of the kids as they ate, you can see right here. And this was an amazing moment for me. And, I, and I'm just showing you a couple of places like that we, we've been. This is all fresh in the last couple of weeks. But what I want you to really pay attention to is see, see the brick wall here. It's, it's what's happening on the other side of the brick wall. Because if I could have shown you like a picture of the hundreds of kids that were being fed that day because of your generosity, if I could have showed you, we would all be like, this is amazing, this is awesome. But but for me, because I was there, it's hard to take a victory lap. And the reason it's hard to take a victory lap is because there are thousands on the other side of that wall waiting to get in. And that's why one day is so critical. Because your one day transforms their every day. Your one day makes a difference in their life. I had a little girl recently that came up and she said to me, I, I had a similar picture of a fence where there were kids like standing outside of the fence. And she said, she said, hey, Pastor Ed, why, why can't the kids like come inside the fence? Why can't they, they come inside the fence and just, and I just, I, it was really easy. I said, they're just, they're just waiting on someone to help them. They're just waiting on someone to help them. It's hard to do a victory lap. It's hard to do it. There's so much, the need is, 
The need is so great. But compassion, compassion feels it deeply, shares in the brokenness. And then thirdly, compassion meets the need. Compassion meets, I love this, like compassion does something. Are you with me? Come on now. Compassion does something. Compassion acts. Compassion responds. Compassion doesn't sit back. I'm grateful for the tears. I'm grateful for the emotions. I'm grateful for the empathy, all of that. But, but compassion does something. Compassion acts. You remember the story of, of, the great, of, of the Good Samaritan? It's like a man was going down. And he got beat up. He's on the side of the road. And you know, you know who like left him there for dead? It was the church people. It was like, you know, it was like, you know, the priest came by and he kind of looked and he was like, well, you know, I don't have time. I got to go work on my message. And then a couple of the other church people came by and they look and they see the guy. He's broken. He's bleeding. I mean, he's, 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 he's pretty much just left for dead. And they look and they're like, I would love to stop and help. I would love to be a part of the solution, but I'm on my way to a small group right now because we're doing a study on compassion. And I've got to hurry and get there because I'm late. And it was a Samaritan that came by. I just wonder sometimes if like, like, like do we lose it? Do we miss it? Like, like what's really, really important. I'm so, Pastor Corey, amazing that you guys, I mean, you go shut the place down next week and just go serve. I mean, that's what it's about. Like, like, like we become so internalized in, in our world. Like we, we make it about us. It's not about us. It's about them. It's about them. And I get it. I mean, I pastored in Southwest Florida for a long time. I know the mentality and all of those different things that are associated with Southwest Florida. I mean, there's, it's just, and I'm grateful that God has placed an army here, an army that says we want to do a one day because we want to make a difference. We want to bring kids from outside the wall, inside the wall. We want to bring them in. Compassion feels, and then here's, here's the last thing. Compassion meets the need. It meets the the need. It does something. You know, Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 25. It was one of the last parables that he tells. And he describes this scene where the son of man, he's referring to himself, he comes in glory accompanied by angels to kind of judge the nations. And he separates people into two groups, the righteous and the unrighteousness. And it's really a very profound message about our love and our compassion to others, especially to those that we don't know. And this, this last parable that Jesus shares, it, it, it really, I mean, it really embodies the core of what we're called to be. And I just, and, and this, this, like, I, I'm gonna do a whole message on this here soon because it, it's just got me like messed up right now. In verse 34, Matthew chapter 25, it says, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did, when did we ever see you hungry and, and feed you or, or thirsty and give you something to drink or, or a stranger and show you hospitality or, or naked to give you and give you clothing? And when did we ever see you 
sick or in prison and, and visit you. Look at these words, verse 40. And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were doing it to me. Pastor Ed, what do you do? Well, I'm an advocate for the least of these. I stand in the gap today for the least of these. I stand in the gap for young men like Abdul, who I just met a couple of weeks ago. Abdul has an amazing story. Born into a Muslim family. For years, first number of years of his life was taught Islam, but found himself with a lot of the other kids just running the streets looking for food. And after running through the streets and spending a couple years just kind of getting around, our, our children's feeding program found him and they brought him in. After a couple of years of him being in our feeding program, he began to grow. He began to get strengthened. And then he asked about being in the boys club, which is our spiritual formation program. He got in the spiritual formation program and when he got in there, he began to memorize scripture. And, and I'm hearing this story, right? And, and one, of our, one, one, of, one of our convoy workers there in Nairobi is telling us the story and she's telling us like he, he begins to memorize scripture. And he does this for about a year. And after he memorizes the scripture, he finally came and he asked this question. He said, is it okay if I accept Jesus? Can I accept Jesus? And she led him to Christ. He went back and he told his parents and his parents kicked him out and sent him to his grandmothers. But in the process, he continued, he continued memorizing scripture. And then he decided that it was time for him to go public with his faith and he wanted to get baptized. And this young man, you have to understand the magnitude of that. He gets baptized, it's this overt expression, this public faith, and he knew that everything would change in his life. And his family noticed the change so like the, the change was so extreme of what God was doing in his life, they actually invited him back into the house. And so they said to us, they said, like, hey, like, you know, are you gonna be going up into Kasumu and all that? And we're like, yeah, they're like, he's up there. And so we got an opportunity to go up there and to see Abdul, and I actually have a picture of him right here. This young man that gave his life to Jesus, that his life has been transformed because somebody just like you set in a service just like this and said, I'm gonna give my one day and I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna make an impact. And so I wanna challenge you today. I wanna challenge you to do your very best. And some of you are in a position, you're like, hey, I, I can give way more than one day. I can give like a week. Some of you are in a position to do more. And so I wanna encourage you to do the very best that you can. I wanna show you this last video. It's on the Mathari Valley. And I actually was with Pastor Patrick, who you're gonna see, but I want you to see the impact that Convoy of Hope is making in Mathari Valley. Watch this. Come on, 
So this one is Madare, Madare Valley. Madare Valley is home of the poor. Madare has more than uh, 500,000 children. Their parents have no income or source of money, so they are being left home, not going to school. Maybe their parents are bedridden, maybe they are affected with the HIV. The kids who their parents are drug addicts, those are poor of the poor. I need to do something for those kids. I want to change my community holistically. May God help me to be a lamb to make a change because I just believe that change starts with us. They are surviving on their own. No one to take care of them, no one to nurture them, no one to teach them, no one to train them. This is why we have uh, this program through taking the children to our school. We become father to them, counselor, guidance, and their protector. The school has already grown and was getting broken down. That time we could not even now provide food. We didn't have anybody to support us. You cannot teach a person with an empty stomach or they cannot concentrate. So now when the convoy of hope came in, it was like a dream. We have fruits, we have porridge, we have uh, uh, lunch, and also tomorrow they will come because they know that in school there is food, and when they stay at home there is no food. Convoy your hope is like a petrol being put in a car. They are energizing me every day. But uh, we need to do more because in Madare, food alone could not give them a brighter future. We call it Changa. Some people have nicknamed it, kill me slowly. That Changa is made up of unclean water from Madare River. It's mixed with ethanol. They think that maybe taking alcohol is the only solution to make them now to forget about the problem that they are passing through. I grew when my father was drinking. It has been his habit when he's drunk, he come at home, he starts abusing us, starts screaming like a mad person. I think it was affecting his brain. Patrick was my neighbor, and one day he came and told me that there is an organization who want to mentor some girls. We just bring them together, we talk with them, we do the counseling. I never liked the way I was. I just see myself as a disappointment. But when I came to realize that I was made in God's image and likeness, this motivated me. Through this program, I'm empowered. I, I realized that I can become a better person and I can express myself. I would not like to see another child or another girl passing the same thing that I myself passed through. I have hope. It's like my dream is coming true. Out of thousands, millions of people here in Kenya, they knew that God has called us to come and be his vessels. Through these kids, I know that we were chosen out of many to present the kingdom of God.
So here's what I hope you get from that. This is not just about the Mathari Valley. What you just saw is one of 2,600 programs like it in over 30 different countries that Convoy of Hope is currently in. We have been a partner of Convoy of Hope for many years, and so every time we give to Convoy through our missions, we're not just doing disaster relief, but we're doing this. But today is about a goal. I've been to many of their events, and the goal is uh, that in the next five years that we would be feeding a million kids a year. And when you feed a million kids a year, you get to, a day, sorry, a million a day. And when you feed a kid, you get to educate a kid, and you get to tell them about Jesus, and you change the trajectory and the quality of their life. And the reason we're, we're seeing, uh, and I say we because I've been a part of Convoy for so long, that we're seeing the trajectory that our goal of a million a day is, is coming sooner than we thought, and it's because of one day. It's because churches in America and the Western world are taking one day to feed the world, and we can make a massive impact. In fact, if we just call it what it is, most of us, our biggest decision is what restaurant will we choose after I shut up? And millions and millions and millions, almost a billion kids worldwide are going, where am I going to find anything to eat? And so I'm gonna challenge all of you right now to do this. We all have the opportunity to take one day, like, oh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, you do, you get out this pocket thing that you have a calculator in, and you take what you make and you divide it by 365. Now, here's what I know. Some of you, you maybe don't work, you're a student. I'm gonna challenge everybody to do something. We could make a massive impact if everybody can just do what we can. Most of us can do one day. Some of us can do more than one day. There's six services where we fill this place. There's going to be people in the courtyard. There's going to be a thousand people join us online. I'm excited to help move the needle in world compassion. And one, what I love about Convoy is it's not just about feeding kids. And I'll tell you, for me, that would be enough. But it's feeding kids so that we can lead them to Jesus and so we can change the outcome of their lives, their families, and even make a kingdom impact and break some generational curses. That's what it's about. And so the next two weeks are about doing something I love. Compassion sees, compassion feels, but compassion does something. We have a lot of seers and feelers in the world. We gotta be the doers. James, the brother of Jesus says, that's awesome, congratulations. You have faith, I'll show you my faith by what I do. If you don't, if you don't put something behind it, you don't really have any faith at all. And so you can give on the app, you can give on the website, just go right there and you can give your one day or your more. And, and again, 100% of what you give through the one-day offering goes completely to feeding children. We're not taking anything. It's going straight to one of the 2,600 communities in the almost 36 countries, I think, worldwide. And this is just the beginning. Convoy, who is known for disaster relief, and they do great stuff, is doing so much more. And we have an opportunity. And I want to challenge everybody to do something. And so I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you a minute to think, to get your phone. If you need to, some of you, um, I want to challenge some of you, like, yeah, we'll do it as soon as we get home. No, you stinking won't. <laughs> So stay for three extra minutes, get your phone, log into Cape Christian Online, and do a calculation, divide it by 365, and give, let's make a difference. Let's feed some kids, and I believe that there's gonna be something, we prayed before this, that you would experience something from God on the, on the back end of feeling a closeness to him because you're contributing to somebody else. God's answer to some of the problems of the world is always the church. We get to be the hope of the world, and I would hate for you to miss out on an opportunity to do that. So we're going to do it together. It takes all of us. So thank you for being the type of church that doesn't just show up and believe in stuff, but for the next two weeks, we're going to make an impact, and it starts right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you, uh, are, you take care of us. You are our provider. God, we, even those of us who are kind of wrestling, ah, the bills are tight, the budgets, the economy, God, we remind ourselves that our job is not our provider. You are our provider. And you have given us so much, God, and we're, we are asking that we would steward it. God, I pray that you move on the hearts of every single person.
that we would be compelled to help feed children. And God, that you would use this to not just feed children, but to open up more programs so that more kids can get educated, more kids can hear about Jesus, and more lives can be changed and transformed forever. God, we thank you for all the work that Convoy is doing. We, thank, we pray, God, for continued favor for them. But God, I pray for a, 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 just a, a blessing, and I pray just that you would stretch our faith in this area for those who would say, I am in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give one day to feed the world. God, I thank you that our one day can change every day for certain kids. Thank you for choosing us. God, I pray that we would be reminded that we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.